Yep, we're still talking about Nick Marsh, the massive four-star receiver from the city of Detroit. How sure are we that he's going to sign on National Signing Day? And then, well, what is going on July 28th? I got no idea, but I'm going to try my best shot at it. And then, well, yeah, of course, come on, mailbag, let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked on Spartans listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to today's show of Locked on Spartans. That's right, your team in green and white three days a week in July and then pretty soon, God, it's coming in hot, August, back to five days a week. You know how we roll here on Locked on Spartans. Really quick, hey, happy belated birthday to my dad. Uh, He makes up about one-third of the listenership of this show, so... Sorry to the other two of you, but have to shout the old man out happy birthday. All right. Hey, you know what? Uh, He's a big big Michigan State fan, and you probably heard this before the weekend, but a a big gift for us all going into the weekend. You probably already know what this is all about. It's Nick Marsh, the four-star top 60 kid, according to Rivals. He commits to Michigan State over the finalists, Penn State, Pitt, Kansas, Oregon. Not too shabby of a pickup for Michigan State. We're not going to go into all the uh, analysis, if you will. We did have a bonus episode on Friday if you want to go back and listen to that. But hey, you know what? Still pretty cool because this is something we did not get to mention on that bonus show. But this is the highest rated wide receiver recruit to come to Michigan State since 2016, Donnie Corley. That's right. He was the most recently highest guy rated like Nick Marsh is. Nick Marsh, a 5.9 rating on rivals. Donnie Corley, he was a 6.0. But yeah, Michigan State, in you know those last seven years, they've gotten some really good receiver recruits. You know, like guys like Keon Coleman, for example. Cody White had a pretty high rating. But they were 5.8, not the 5.9 that Nick Marsh is. And also, if you want to take 24-7 sports into account here, They're telling you that Nick Marsh is the best receiver recruit to come to Michigan State all the way since 2012 with, yeah, that's right, Aaron Burbridge, one of my favorite Michigan State Spartans of all time. So, yeah, this we all knew this was a big one. You want to get the kid that you have zoned in on, especially the guy that's close to home. It really helps when he's that highly rated as well. So, with these episodes, because, look, beforehand... A lot of people knew that Nick Marsh was going to commit to Michigan State. So in that video, the hey, everyone, heads up, big commitment coming. Or, you know, the bonus episode on Friday, got some good questions in the YouTube comments. And first and foremost, it's it's just, well, kind of on the top of everyone's mind when it does come to highly rated kids this day and age in recruiting. And point blank, the question was, are you concerned about him signing? My answer is two letters. It's an N and an O. Uh, It's no. I'm not concerned about him signing. And I would get the concern, the worry, the anxiety. But, like, I I don't know how many kids in the history of football recruiting, and I'm sure this has happened, God, maybe a handful of times, but I can't remember any kids that have decommitted from the same school twice in the same cycle. Um, if you're not into recruiting at all, let, I'll make this short. Nick Marsh was committed to Michigan State, then he decommitted, took all of his official visits, and then, yes, recommitted to Michigan State. Kind of a rare 
chain of events there, if you will. But um, look, so I mean, just on that alone, I, I don't know how many kids have decommitted from the same school twice in the same cycle. That, that alone has me not worried about him. But also, let, let's talk about this because we did get another question uh, in the YouTube comments of just, well, why did he decommit in the first place? And we talked a little bit about it on Friday, but look, my thing is, is that if I'm an advisor of these highly rated kids, I'm making sure no kid that is using my services is committing anywhere until they have taken at least three official visits. Nick Marsh committed to Michigan State before he took any of his official visits to any school. So I think what happened was, hey, look, we all get excited about things in life. Maybe he got a little too excited committed to Michigan State, and then really sat there and was like, huh, you know, I, I visited some other schools, but they were unofficial visits. I probably should burn up all the official visits that I do have. And it used to be you could only visit five schools, but now NCAA has changed that where you could visit every single school in the nation on an official visit. But I digress. I won't get into all that. It was just more so of, hey, you know, I got a little excited. Let's go really see what's out there. Did his due diligence, went to four schools in the month of June, and settled back on Michigan State. A kid that he, again, a lot of these are going to be the talking points we went over on Friday. He's visited Michigan State at least a half dozen times. There isn't a campus in this country that he's visited even close to as many times as he's visited Michigan State. There is some comfortability with Michigan State, the coaching staff, the program, how close to home it is. So no, I'm not concerned about him signing on National Signing Day. And someone else asked, Matt, do you feel this is a result of the revamped recruiting staff or is it too soon to tell? It just seemed like last summer these were the battles that the staff was losing. And they mentioned the Terrence Green battle, the Dante Moore battle, uh, the Kedrick Riscano, etc. Really quick, I want to add some context to that. That was during the episode before Friday where it really looked like Dylan Williams, the four-star linebacker out of California, was also going to commit to Michigan State. Ended up going to Oregon, but still, we're going to hit on this question. Um, Yes, Michigan State did lose some big recruiting battles lately, but I also just want to throw a bone here because they've also won, in the last few cycles, some really big recruiting battles as well. And I feel like, oddly enough, those aren't the ones that are talked about. It's, it's, It's always the ones that hurt. You know, I don't know if that's just human emotion, but it's always the things that hurt us the most are the ones that we really get hung up on. You know, like those ones that he just mentioned, like Terrence Green, Kedrick Riscano. But there are some good wins, like Alex Van Sumeren. And that was a really big win a few cycles ago. Dylan Tatum as well. That was a big in-state battle against Michigan. They really wanted him as well. By Job, the top 100 kid out of Oklahoma, he was... God, he, he was hearing from different programs up until signing day. Or Andrew DePape. Miami was trying to flip him. Penn State was trying to flip him. Sam Levitt as well. That's the four-star quarterback that Michigan State got in on late in the cycle. Oregon tried to get in on them later in the cycle, but he said, no, I'm going to stick with Michigan State. Or even some transfer guys like Keyshawn Blackstock, Jarrett Horst. I mean, those were two kids that even after they announced their commitment to Michigan State, they were hearing from national powerhouses. So, why do I think that, you know, things are going pretty well for Michigan State recruiting-wise? Like, I, guys, believe me, I understand it. Like, these aren't top 10 classes or we aren't up there with the Georgias or the Ohio States of the world right now. But c- considering where this program was when Mel Tucker took over, and also, yes, from last year, okay, just having a top 25 class after a 5-7 and seven season does speak volumes of how strong it can be recruiting, but... Look, Michigan State is also doing pretty good lately as well after the month of June. Now, why is all that? Is it because of the revamped recruiting staff? Now, Mark Deathorn, 
he steps into the role that um, Saeed Khalif, excuse me, uh, he left. And I think it is a little too early to tell about the job that Mark Deathorn is doing. However, from everything we're hearing inside the program, he, he's building a strong staff there, and there's a lot of people that are helping the heads of the roles that he is hiring. You know, we talked about the uh, Tyler Johnson hiring not too long ago and how there are going to be people under her as well. But, yeah, it's just a whole revamped recruiting staff. But I think what is happening now, and this is something we've talked a lot about, is that this time around they are going for kids and hosting kids on official visits that they actually have a shot with, right? I mean, th- these were kids last year that, well, they came onto campus, life was great, and then they left, and I, Michigan State wasn't even on the podium for some of these kids. Whereas this year, there's some legitimate interest for all the kids that are visiting officially in the month of June, and now we're starting to, to see the rewards from that. Hopefully we can see a little more, but there's still a lot of time left on the clock. Now, we're going to switch things over back to social media here. Uh, July 28th is going to be a big day for Michigan State football. And if you follow them on Twitter, you already know what I'm talking about. But if you don't, there have been three cryptic tweets from the Michigan State football account. The first one, the first three words in the message had a capital N, F, and T. Great. Awesome. We're going to do another NFT drop. Surely that will get the needle moving for everyone. But no. They said, all right, this next one, we're not even going to worry about capital letters. They just had a Funko Pop Sparty, all right? So like a little bobblehead Sparty or a little doll of Sparty, if you will, in front of the Broad Museum. And then their third cryptic tweet before the weekend, a bridge on Nike's campus. It was like, don't let your dreams get too crazy. I'm paraphrasing what the tweet said. But it was this cool little tunnel slash bridge, and someone out there on the internet, you know, shouted out rather quickly that, hey, that is a bridge on Nike's campus. So... NFT, Funko Pop, a bridge on Nike's campus. I have no inside information for the record. I'm not spoiling this. I'm not doing a thing where I secretly know something, but um, no. I truly have no idea what this is about, but I'm going to play along here, and I'm going to guess what this is. Now, NFT, could it be new football tradition? Okay, that seems pretty vague. However, NFT, the Sparty doll, and then Nike, Neon, football threads i think they're going to be revamped neon football threads and with the sparty funko pop i think this would be a gruff sparty neon logo that they're going to drop on july 28th that's my best guess i could be right on the nose i could also be so far off that the person that actually does know what this is is cackling in their office chair right now. I don't know. Again, we got to wait uh, well under 20 days now until july 28th, but if you have any guesses Leave them below on YouTube or, hey, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com if you want to get your guests in the ring. We will be back with some mailbag action here, but first need to talk your ears off about bird dog shorts. Let me tell you about the day I had today. I had, I had a very, very lucky day. I had, went for a long bike ride, swam in the pool with the little tyke. I went out on a nice date with the wife, and I'm not even kidding. I did it all in my bird dogs. These are the most versatile shorts possible. They do it all all you know what the other day i woke up on the couch to my wife standing over me now we're not going to get into why i slept on the couch that night but she says are you sleeping in your bird dogs and i look at her and i said yeah do you ever read my ad copy do you ever listen to the show these are versatile shorts i could do bike rides swimming and also sleep in these things 
because these are the best shorts out there, folks. Go get yourself some bird dogs at birddogs.com slash lockedoncollege or enter promo code lockedoncollege for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash lockedoncollege or, hey, smash in promo code lockedoncollege for that free Yeti-style tumbler. You'll not want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right, we are going to crack open the mailbag here, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com if you ever want to reach out with a question. Or, hey, if you're on Twitter, Sheehan underscore sports is the place to find me. Over in email land, again, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Jeff hits us up. This was actually a while ago, so sorry it took a minute to get to these two questions, Jeff. But question number one. When Tyson and Kenneth both chose MSU, there was a ton-and-cheek question about who would be the better walker for MSU. I've been wondering since the juice of this proved to be much more than we dreamed. Has Tyson reached Kenneth Walker, and if not, can he this year? Now the short answer... No. No, uh, Tyson has not reached Kenneth Walker status. But hey, if you think I'm just going to give you a short answer, well, you've clearly never watched this show because we like to ramble here... Tyson has not reached Kenneth Walker status just because, hey, look, Tyson's a great player. He's awesome. Would I put the generational tab on him like we do with Kenneth Walker? Because I I don't know if we'll ever see a running back like Kenneth Walker ever again. And if we do, I, I think it's going to be probably a decade or two before we land on someone that's that talented individually. With that said, though... Tyson and company have a chance to be a generational team this year. And if you could climb the mountaintop to the national title, and right now, when you look at the odds, Michigan State is one of seven teams that have the highest odds to win the national title in basketball this year. Well, yeah, if they're cutting down nets in Phoenix or Scottsdale or Glendale, whatever Arizona City the Final Four is in this year, yeah, you you jump over what Kenneth Walker did because, hey, look, the, the Peach Bowl... A lot of fun. That was an awesome year. Double-digit wins. And, hey, we've talked about this time and time again ever since Kenneth Walker left. If he wasn't on the team, I think Michigan State is like a 6-6, six and six, maybe a 7-5 and five team. Okay, He brought us to a college, or not a college football playoff, a New Year's 6 bowl game. Almost individually. That's awesome. But, man, if you're just part of a national title team... That's going to make you the better walker. Uh, but yeah, I mean, God, just like Jeff said, when we got both walkers, we were fired up. Like, we knew that Kenneth was going to be a pretty good running back here. Not an absolutely elite running back. I think that surprised a whole lot of people. Um, and then, yeah, Tyson Walker, when he transferred here from Northeastern, like, great, this guy's looking really good. Defensive player of the year in his conference. He could shoot the three-point ball, but whew. Wow, uh, has he really adapted to playing Big Ten basketball? So yeah, this has been got wilder than any dreams that we had about either Walker. This is a really good uh, question to start off with. So the other question that Jeff writes in with is, what out-of-the-box idea would you add to recruiting to differentiate MSU? Mine, I would send a secret invite like Mr. Incredible got. Upon stepping onto campus, I w- it would activate and play highlights of you in an MSU uniform. It would alert students around who you were. It would allow you to eat free at select locations like Crunchies, Fish Fry, you know. And then after the amazing visit, you'd be offered to keep it for your tenure if you commit on the visit. I do love all of that. And I always thought that, like, now, obviously, I, I don't know the specifics of what goes on in these official visits or unofficial visits, but 
I always think it'd be cool, like, for the player to walk through the tunnel, and as they're walking through the tunnel to get on the field, like, you know, we just throw George Blaha in a recording studio for a few hours as if the guy doesn't work hard enough. Uh, and just say, for example, let's take uh, Jason Brown, for example. Like, and Jason Brown crosses the 40, the 30, and all oh, MSU's going to Indianapolis. I think it'd be cool to have, like, custom highlights as they're walking out to the field. But, again, that's just like a fleeting moment on an official visit. Uh, of course, I'm going to go to the tried and true automobiles. That's right, but not just, you know putting out the automobiles like have one custom painted with the kid's number on it maybe the kid's face on it like let's just go all the way in and i don't know if there's any legal hula hoops you gotta jump through for this one there probably is but have like a deal in place saying like hey when you sign your letter of intent that's gonna be your automobile in that paint job right there Uh, i also think that maybe it'd be cool to i don't know just and I hate to borrow something that, you know, the school down the road did. Uh, I don't know if they still do it, actually, but did do at one point. But those team trips, maybe like a recruiting class-specific trip. you like, hey, you know what? Uh, after your first season here, during the dead period, after the season, your class of 2024, hey, we already got rooms booked for you over in... Maui, or you guys are going to be taking a trip over to Greece or something. Just like a team bonding trip, but with your specific recruiting class. I think that'd be really cool. Um, And also, well, Johnny wrote in this mailbag question, which actually is going to help us answer this question. Johnny wrote in, unique mailbag question. Would staffing a reputable barber for recruiting visits add any value? They get a fresh cut for some bad bleep pictures on their visit at Kansas or, yeah, so, yeah, there we go. Uh, sorry, for pictures on their visit. Like, yeah, let's just get, like, a top-of-the-line barber as well. Line these kids up. Like, they already look cool in their uniforms or everything like that. But take it to the next level with a barber as well. So thank you, Johnny, for helping answer that question with your question. I like that barber idea. So thanks a lot, Jeff. Again, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Let's get into another question. And this is a big one. This is a big one from Jackson here, Okay. It's going to be on the top of a lot of our minds. It has already been on the top of a lot of a lot of our minds for the last season at least. What do you need to see from the MSU defense this season to be sold on Scotty Hazleton's system? First and foremost, okay, I just want to get ahead of this right now. I did start to feel for him last year, right? I mean, it's a stat you've heard on this show dozens of times. By the time the next season kicks off, it will be hundreds of times. But the fact that Michigan State had to have 27 different starters on defense last year is unbelievable. And it become and again, this was all for injuries, as many of you remember. It's not just because they were trying out 27 different guys just because they were bored. Like, no, everyone was leaving the field with their limbs dangling off their bodies last year. It was unbelievable. And it becomes Not even an excuse when it reaches 27 different starters, but a reason as to why things might not be working out the way they are. I mean, there's a point in the season last year where they had one healthy defensive end. Avery Dunn, come on down. You can get all the reps that you want because, well, you're the only healthy guy in the room, it seems like. So, yeah, and just like when things even weren't working early on in the season, like Scotty Hazleton, it wasn't 
him being stubborn. Like, he did try in a game, I think it was the Maryland game, where he did go blitz heavy. Okay, well, let's see if this works. And then the next game, like, okay, we're just going to drop eight into coverage and see if that works. Like, okay, we're going to have four defensive linemen on the line, again, because of just the injury issues. But, like, he did throw the kitchen sink at it last year. It just didn't work out because, again, when half your defense is hurt, you're really handcuffed. With that said, it just can't be, you know, injuries through and through because even the year before that, well, uh-oh, wasn't the greatest defense in the world. With that said, what do we need to see in year four under Scotty Hazelton to start believing in his system? First and foremost, uh, stopping the run is just going to have to be an expectation this year. I-, I think when healthy, and they also have some depth helping them too this year, that the front for Michigan State is going to be one of the better ones in the Big Ten. Like with Derek Harmon, with Simeon Barrow, also Jalen Sami. They also did great with Dre Butler, Jarrett Jackson as well. Some good run-stopping defensive linemen. And also, well, what are your linebackers really good at? In Jacoby Winman, Cal Halliday, of course. Stopping the run. So that's just a baseline expectation. Beyond that, what do we want to see? Well, I, I think it'd be really nice to have... Passing plays where our cornerbacks are at least in the frame when the receiver catches the ball. Uh, But look, this is a blend. The issue with the pass defense has been a perfect blend of, well, okay, I think the secondary has to wear some of it, but also the pass rush as well wasn't there last year. And again, whether that be scheme, whether it be injuries, who's to say hopefully we can start getting an actual look at it this year because, you know, sometimes the secondary, when they're just on their own island for eight seconds, yeah, of course the receiver's going to break loose and catch a ball. So it has to be a perfect marriage of, okay, well, can our secondary start covering people, and can we also start getting a pass rush? The, I guess the, the, the laziest thing I'm going to look at here, on paper, like we're going to go on paper, is I'm going to start looking at like completion percentage because last year opposing completion percentage was 66.4%. Now, if that was just its own in the Big Ten, if you took MSU's opponents, their offense, and put their 66.4% completion percentage just in the offense category, that would be the third best completion percentage in the conference. It goes without saying that on defense, that completion percentage for the opposition was the worst in the conference. The year before that, the Peach Bowl year, 65% completion percentage. That is still abysmal. So... It's going to have to come from a few different... Everyone's going to have to help each other on this defense. Like, the pass rush has to be there. Okay, we have reason that can happen. And then also, well, the secondary, we're going to have to see some improvement there as well. That is what I need to see. Better completion percentage from the defense. Because, again, like, if they're not stopping the run, then, okay, I'm I'm already out. Like, because... Okay, with the talent that you have on the field, you should figure out a way to be one of the better teams in stopping the run. It's just that pass defense is going to be the wild card. we got to see progress in that as well for me to really start believing. Spartan JJ writes in, Which three true freshmen are you most excited to see this fall for football? It might be easy, obvious answers, but I, I you can't go wrong with saying by Joe and Andrew DePape. Two guys ranked inside the top 200, and depending on you know whatever recruiting site you look at, the top 150. Very talented edge rushers, and there could be reps had for defensive ends and edge rushers this year. Also, what I really like about these kids, early enrollees. And 
we've learned uh, very recently in the last year or two how important it is for kids to be early enrollees if they're freshmen, just how much progress you can make over one spring, leaving high school one semester early. So, by Job, Andrew DePape. Okay, now for the third, I'm going to go with another early enrollee. I'm going to go with another guy in the defense and a kid that we, we could be seeing a lot here in the fall, Chance Rucker. Uh, depending what site you look at, either the three-star cornerback or some had him rated as a four-star cornerback as well. Hey, what did we just talk about? The secondary. They need some help. No mystery, no secret that, yeah, there are snaps to be had at the cornerback position, whether that be just for talent, you know, what we've seen in the last few years, or really, hey, you know who famously uh, always stays healthy throughout the whole year? Yeah, the cornerback room. No, they're always hurt. So, yeah, Chance Rucker, I mean, just by, you know, maybe even health of everyone around him might be seeing a lot of action. But, yeah, I... So it's going to have to be by Job, Andrew DePape, and Chance Rucker for the three true freshmen I'm most excited to see this fall. Now, I do wonder if we will be seeing much of anyone else. I do really wonder if there's going to be any Jalen Barber in sightings, uh, the speedster out of the west side of the country. I mean, quite literally the fastest kid in the 2023 recruiting class. I do wonder if we see him a kickoff return at all during the year or maybe even punt return because... I, that, that guy, he puts on his flash costume and, whew, I mean, his 100-meter dash numbers don't lie at all. So I do wonder if he's going to get on the field. I think he might be a little undersized, but, geez, when you could outrun everyone, maybe size doesn't even matter on the football field. Now, Spartan JJ also wrote in another question, which I love. Which returning basketball player will benefit the most from the influx of talent coming in with this recruiting class? Absolutely love that question, and I absolutely have an instant answer for that one. It's Traylon Holloman. It is Trey Holloman because, well, hey, how are you going to get on the floor, Trey? Jeremy Fears is a really good player. He ain't a five, or I was going to say five-star. He should be a five-star. There might be a recruiting service out there that does have, have him as a five-star. I forgot. Apologies. McDonald's All-American. Okay. This is a long way of saying really, really good player coming in next year. So, this is going to be competition right off the bat for Trey Holloman, who had an okay freshman year. You know, had some good moments, had some, you know, moments specifically in the jump shooting department where you wonder, oh God, how's this going to work in the future? But, hey, iron sharpens iron, right? I mean, Trey Holloman, who, by the way, they haven't been practicing a lot this summer, but the rumblings are that he has improved greatly and I wonder if that's any coincidence because he knows that the kid coming in behind him for that backup point guard role is already great. So it's going to be a lot of iron sharpens iron here with Jeremy Fierce coming into the mix. And also, well, yeah, I mean, it's not like Trey can like play the two, at least with the jump shot that we saw last year. There were some lineups, like it didn't happen a lot, and when it did happen, I just was gripping onto my couch, like wondering how we're going to survive this run here with this lineup of Hogart at the one and then Trey at the two. But right now, like Trey can pretty much only play the one. So he's going to have to be really solid in his run out there. And another player too, that I think can really benefit greatly from the kids coming in, Jaden Akins. And not for the reason, of course, that, you know, we have for Trey Holloman. Like, I think Akins is going to be, you know, pretty well established over Cohen Carr and Garrick Norman. However, 
Aikens wants to play the two. You want to play more of that guard role. Well, okay, this is great because we're not going to run into situations this year where we have to play Jaden Aikens at the three, right? Like, he can play the two because, hey, you, you have Cohen Carr. You have Garrick Norman that can play the three. You know what? If it wasn't for Garrick Norman or Cohen Carr this year, like, Aikens might have to log a ton of minutes at the three just because, well... Who else is going to go out there and do it? Like, sorry, Jaden, I know you want to play the two, but <laughs> you're really the only guy here. No, I mean, Garrett Norman, Cohen Carr, talented enough to play the three, so whenever Tyson Walker wants a breather, Jaden Akins, he can slide up to that shooting guard role and play more of that guard role that he wants to play. So, yeah, I think there's going to be two players that are going to benefit greatly from the influx of talent coming into East Lansing. Uh, the next question comes... From a lady that is just very near and dear to this show. It's my mom! That's right, she texted us. Now, of course, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Great way to send in questions. Uh, she and underscore sports on Twitter. Or just text me. I will not be giving out my number, though. Uh, and she writes in, here's a lame question. Ramp or the stairs at Spartan Stadium? Now, if you're, uh, if you're one of those rich folk and you don't have to worry about the upper deck... This question is talking about, do you take that long winding ramp to get up to your seats in the upper deck, or do you take the stairs? For me, more times than not, team stairs. Gets you there quicker, and it's also like a kick in the butt that like, hey, you know, uh, those flights of stairs that you just climbed up, yeah, you feel like dying, yeah, you feel like you just summited Mount Everest, it makes us a wake-up call that, you know, when we sober up on Sunday or get back to the grind on Monday, maybe do some cardio in your life or maybe start working out a little more than you have. Now, of course, there are some moments in your life where you don't want any wake-up calls. Uh, it is just not the time for a kick in the rear. There is a time, there is a place in society for taking that ramp. Yes, it takes you about... God, it seems like an hour and a half to get up that ramp, but it, it, you're not feeling like you're clutching onto life, or you're not feeling horrible about the life decisions that you just made at that tailgate, or the Friday before where you housed half a hot and ready, and then six beers or something like that. Like, no, it's if you are in a fragile state of mind, which, hey, we, we are all there at times in life, just take the ramp. Take the weekend off, okay? The, the stairs will be there for you that next Saturday. But yeah, more times than not, I'm Team Stairs. Uh, all right, and the last question, we are going to go to Buck Gino. This is a really niche question. Uh, almost no one is going to understand what he's talking about here. If you had to choose between a free entry into the 2024 PDCQ school in Europe or a free ticket to a New Year's Six Bowl game that MSU was playing in, which one would you take? Now, PDCQ school. That is Professional Darts Championship. The Q School, that's right, making your way to the professional circuit in darts. What would I take? Well, since I'm a martyr, that's right, I'm going to build myself up to be someone I'm not. I'm going to be a martyr for this fan base. That's right. I'm going to turn down Q School. I'm going to turn down my dreams of being on the dart tour because I'm going to give this fan base a New Year's Six Bowl game. Because, hey, if I'm going to ticket to New Year's Six Bowl game Michigan State is playing, and well, that means they qualified for one. Whether it's the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl, Cotton Bowl, whatever it is, hey, that's right. I'm going to pick the ticket to the New Year's Six Bowl game because that means our fan base gets to watch MSU in another New Year's Six Bowl game. Now, we're going to completely ignore the fact that I would embarrass myself if I threw a dart in PDCQ school. I 
do love darts. I am also terrible at darts, but we're just going to not even mention that, all right? I want to make myself look good and say, hey, I'm going to give a gift to the fan base and take that New Year's Six Bowl game. Thank you very much for that question, Buck. I really do appreciate you. And I appreciate all of you fabulous folks listening to another episode of Locked on Spartans. Your team in green and white, that's right. You know where to find us. Rate, review, subscribe, but most importantly, hey, enjoy the rest of your week. Love you all. Go Green.